You are now listening to an awesome sermon from the St. Louis Dream Center. Grab a pen and some paper. You're in for a treat. I want to give a shout out to all our dads. Happy Father's Day. It is so, uh, man, just so proud of you all. So uh, proud of the work that you're doing. And listen, it may not be perfect. It may not be clean. But I want to tell you, man to man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because you're still in the fight. I'm proud of you because you're still trying. And as long as there's breath in your body, man, listen, you can always get a chance to get it right. So today, dads, I celebrate you for who you are to your families and to your children. And today, I just want to give you a Father's Day message that I believe will shift the game for you. I mean, we're, in, we're closing out this series, Shift, today, and I wanted to kind of have a crescendo of all the other messages that today will help you leap beyond where you are to where God wants you to be. So come on, join me as we stand to our feet. Come on, right there where you are. Let's stand up. Let's stand up, and let's look at the Word of God in the book of Judges. I'm going to look at the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 12 through 16, and we're going to read out of the Good News Version. And this is what it says. The messenger of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, brave man. I need you to just stop for a moment and say right where you are, I'm a brave man. In the New King James, it says a mighty man of valor. And then Gideon responded, excuse me, sir, but if the Lord is with us, Why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to Midian. Then it says the Lord turned to him and said, notice the messenger spoke, but now the Lord turned to him and said, you will rescue Israel from Midian with the strength you have. I am sending you. And Gideon said, excuse me, sir, how can I rescue Israel? Look at my whole family. It is the weakest one in Manasseh, and me, I am the least important member of my family. The Lord replied, I will be with you. You will defeat Midian as if it were only one man. The title of today's word I want to give you is Breaking Out of the Box. Father, in the name of Jesus, I first of all say thank you. Thank you for your presence and your power that is in this room. And Father, I thank you that you're meeting us right where we are. Let this word be rich and powerful to the ears of those that hear, that they may not only be hearers of this word, but doers and eat the fruit thereof. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, I was doing a study and I was doing a study on elephants. I know elephants. What, why would I be studying elephants? I'm just curious as to how they're trained. And, you know, if you've ever been to the circus, you see the elephants that are obedient. And, you know, the master or the boss hits them a certain way and they move in that direction. And what I did is I looked up how did they train the elephant to move when they say move. And this is what I found out. There is a method called crawl or what they call elephant crushing. And what they do is they place this elephant in a cage larger than itself. They put a rope around the elephant, and they train the elephant that when it goes so far, the rope yanks, 
and keeps them from going throughout the whole cage. Over the course of time, the elephant is trained to know that even when they take the rope off, I can only go so far. They call it breaking the elephant's spirit so that the elephant will only go so far. No matter, listen, this massive being has the ability to go anywhere it wants to go, do anything it wants to do, but because its spirit has been broken through this training, it can't go. And the only limitation that it has is the one that's been imposed on it because its spirit has been broken. Maybe I'm talking to you and it's like, have you ever had your spirit broken? Have you ever been so defeated and so beat down that you just stopped trying? You think that, okay, I can only go this far. I can only do this much. And what ended up happening was the enemy used life to break your spirit. And now, even though there's nothing holding you back from your dream, nothing holding you back from that thing, you only go so far because the enemy has broken your spirit and trained you to only do so much. See, I believe the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we know that in John 10 and 10, but Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. So the enemy has come to keep you locked up in a way of thinking, in a way of living. But Jesus says, I came to set you free. And this is what this box looks like for us. For many of us, this box made up of these four things. Our environment, where we grew up, who our family or our parents or our history. It's made up of my education or lack of education, my knowledge. And then the second or the last one is influence. It's made up of who I'm surrounded with. You know, I remember when I was running D.C. sports, we would purposely take kids on college campuses. We would go to Mizzou every year to play in what's called the Show Me Say games. And when we would drive into Mizzou, what I would do is I would take the kids on excursions and I would tell them, hey, that's the Alpha house right there. Hey, that's the Delta house right there. And when you get to college, not if you get to college, when you get to college, you can become a part of one of those fraternities. What was I doing? I was breaking them out of the box of knowledge, out of the box of influence, out of the box of history, and expanding their thinking so that they would know the limitations that have been put on you by what you've walked through aren't the limitations that are there for real. And I remember expanding their world so that they could see, so that they would not put self-imposed limitations on their life, but that they would allow their lives to be the expression of who God called them to be. See, the enemy has taken your life and he has told you as a man, as a father, as a leader, you can only do this much, you can only go this far, but I came to tell you Jesus came to set you free. And not only did he come to set you free from your past and your history, but he came to set you free for the future that he has in store for you. But you got to break out of the box. It's interesting in this season of COVID, COVID-19, we've been locked up pretty much in our homes for three months. And think about COVID. The virus is an invisible virus. Nobody can see it. It's like you walk by somebody you don't know if they have it. 
Here's an invisible virus that has wrecked our economy. For many people walking through depression right now, this invisible virus has caused their minds to fail them. Many people are walking through struggles in their marriage. They said that even abuse, child abuse and spousal abuse has gone up during this season all because of a thing that nobody can really see. This invisible virus. And I came to tell you that there is another invisible virus called Satan. And Satan can't be seen. Yet he is wreaking havoc in the lives of every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth. And he uses all these different means to do it. He tries to make divisions in races. He tries to make divisions in marriages. He tries to wreck homes and wreck churches and wreck lives. And nobody can ever see him moving. But like COVID, it is a virus that comes to rob you of the fullness of who God created you to be. And this is what I I, I thought about this that sometimes the invisible seems impenetrable. That sometimes what's invisible seems impenetrable. The limitations on your life aren't even visible, but it seems like they're so insurmountable that you'll never get past them. And it's really built around the self-imposed limitations that you put on you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, Says, I, I want to read this to you because this is something that needs to get into your spirit. It says, for we're not wrestling or we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against people. We're not fighting against humans in another uh, translation. It says, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen, listen to this, unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So this fight that we're fighting, it isn't a fight against people because this is what I've learned if you focus on fighting people then what ends up happening is the enemy simply just shifts hosts the enemy is looking for hosts and so what he does is if you only focus on your wife if you only focus on another person then what he does is he will simply just move to somebody else because if you don't recognize that he's the one behind the behavior you can't fight the real fight You fight fights that aren't the real fight. Behind everything that's going on that's evil in our world, there is an enemy behind it. And as long as you keep focusing on the natural things and not on the unseen things, you get lost. The Bible tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So we must understand that the fight that we're fighting is against an enemy that can't be seen, but who's already been defeated by Jesus. And now let's look at my boy Gideon. You know, Gideon, God called him to deliver Israel. See, Israel was caught in a cycle. They would sin. They would get captured, they would be oppressed, then they would cry out, and God would send them a deliverer. And if you look through the book of Judges, it's just like that. They would sin, be oppressed, cry out, God would send a deliverer. And God began to speak to a young man by the name of Gideon and told Gideon, Gideon, 
you are my next deliverer. You are somebody that I'm going to use greatly to help other people get out of the mess that they're in. But Gideon was locked in a box. He was locked in the box of his thinking that told him, I'm not good enough. My family's not good enough. My history's not good enough. My education's not good enough. Those that I'm around are not good enough. And God says, I'm not worried about the box that you are in. I'm worried about the place that I'm trying to take you to. And here's Gideon, this conversation that he has with the angel. And the angel appears and says, Gideon, the Lord is with you, brave man. God calls those things that be not as though they are. And Gideon responded, no, no, excuse me, sir. You must be talking about somebody else. Do you know my history? Do you know my lack of this and my lack of that? And then it says, it says what the Lord comes back to him and says. It says the Lord came the second time and he said, no, nah, you will rescue Midian. And he's like, excuse me, sir, do you know who you're talking to? And he, God knew exactly who he was talking to. And he knew that Gideon was a person to deliver the people. And here's what I want you to get. Before Gideon could ever face an external enemy, he had to fight the enemy within him. Before you ever begin to do anything significant in the world, you've got to fight. i got to fight the enemy within me. And those enemies within me look like this. Low self-esteem low self-worth, inferiority complex. And when we have to, when God tells us he wants us to do something significant, before we can ever get to doing the outward thing, we got to go through an inward battle. And what I believe we have to begin to do today is change our inner narrative We must change the things that we tell ourselves, change the stories that we tell ourselves. We must change the way we view ourselves to begin to view ourselves the way that God says we are and not the way that we've been portrayed or the way that other people think about us or even the way that we think about us. That when the enemy comes in and tries to tell you you are less than, you can say, because God's in me, I am more than. We must change the narrative on the inside of us. And what I found with Gideon, I found these five lessons from this story of Gideon that helped me to change the narrative that I tell myself. The first thing that I learned from Gideon is this. Your presence is an answer to someone's prayer. Your presence is an answer to someone's prayer. See, when God created you, he put in you certain things that would be an answer to the prayer. As a matter of fact, I need you to understand this. As crazy as our world is, God wanted you born right now. He didn't want you born in the 50s or the 20s. He didn't want you to be born any other time but right now. Why? Because when he fashioned you in your mother's womb, he put in you an answer to someone's else's prayer. And when God called Gideon, the Bible tells us that Israel had been crying out, God deliver us, God deliver us, God deliver us. And God didn't come down himself to deliver them. What God did was he came into a man and sent a flawed man, a weak man, a man that didn't even see himself the way that God saw him. And he said, you are a brave man. You are a mighty man of valor and you are my answer for 
for this hour. Yeah, you. I know. All the things that you see that are wrong with you. But when God looks at you, he looks at the perfect creation that he intended you to be. You are an answer to somebody's prayer. The second thing that I think about with this is with Gideon and with us. Your history does not define your destiny. <laughs> whatever you walk through, whatever bad decisions that you've made, whatever stupid things that you've done or I've done, God says my history does not define my destiny. That he had in store a plan for me even before I made my mistakes. Your history does not define your destiny. Number three and closely related to two is this. Your purpose is greater than your problem. Ah, oh, you need to just sit on that right there. Your purpose is greater than your problem. You got a money problem? Get your purpose. Money will chase you. You won't have to chase money. You have a marriage problem? Find God's purpose for marriage and your marriage will begin to work itself out. Do you have a child problem? Get back to God's purpose for raising your kids and God's purpose will overshadow the problem. Do you have a problem with what the mistakes that you've made and the things that you've done wrong? Well, I want you to listen to the scripture and under, understand how God thinks about what you've done. In Ephesians 1 and 4 it says, even as in love, he chose us, listen to this, actually picked us out for himself as his own. He picked you. And in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him, and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. Listen to this. He says that I picked you out before the foundation of the world, that you would be blameless above reproach in my sight. What does that say to you, and what does that say to me? It says that before I made my first bad decision, before I made my first mistake, God had a purpose in mind for me, and this, this is going to bless you, that when God created your purpose, he already knew the mistakes you were going to make. When God created you, he was able to see the scope of your existence, and he knew you would make that bad choice. He knew you would have that baby before you were married. He knew that you would, you would be, end up in jail. He knew what was going to happen in your life. And he says, guess what? Those things don't disqualify you. They're a part of what I put in your story so that you can fulfill the purpose and plan. I knew you would do it. Now get up and keep moving. Because your purpose is bigger than your problem. And then the next one, number four, your power is present within you. See, you're looking for something outside of you to give you the ability, the power, and everything to do what God's called you to do. No, 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 no. When God created you, he put inside of you everything that you needed to accomplish what he's asking you to do right now. 
As a matter of fact, when you were created in your mother's womb, what God did was he made a deposit inside of you. And when you were baptized and filled with his spirit, he made another deposit of power inside of you. And now today, he's just calling. He's making a withdrawal on the deposit that's already inside of you. Listen, education is great, but education just enhances what's already in me. Getting more training and development is great, but it only enhances what's already in me. God is calling out of you what he's already placed in you, and the power that you need is not from somebody else, but it only comes from him, and it's already in you. So the power is already in you. But this, this one, this last one, number five is my favorite. The God that's for you is greater than what's against you. That the God that's for you is greater than what's against you. Gideon's like, wait, 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 you don't understand. The Midianites, they're, they're strong. I don't care. I'm for you. But you don't understand. My family, they're the least. I don't care. I'm for you. But you don't understand that my family is the least and I'm the least of the least. He says, I don't care. I'm for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for your sake. Yes, your sake. How will he not freely give you all things? So therefore, it doesn't matter what my criminal record was. It doesn't matter what my bad decision list was. It doesn't matter anything. I don't, it doesn't matter who hates you, who doesn't like you, who doesn't want you to succeed, who doesn't want you to come up. None of that matters. Why? Because God is for you. And when you let that get in your spirit, like out of your head, but in your spirit, man, God is for me. Then it takes the things that are happening in society and the world you like, since God's on my side, it doesn't matter what, who, or when is trying to hold me down. There's a song that I remember hearing, what God has for me is for me. I know without a doubt, my God will bring me out what God has for me is for me. If you can let that get in your spirit when you walk in the boardroom, when you go on that next interview, when you apply for that next loan, when you apply for that next house, when you apply for that next car, when you apply for anything that you're like, no, what God has for me is for me. And if I get a no here, God has a yes somewhere else. And I want to tell you about a, a friend of mine I I met a gentleman by the name of Amin Irving a few years ago at a, a Joyce Meyer Ministry Partners Conference, or conference uh, that we had just kind of connected with. And we had a chance to meet him, we had a chance to talk, and if you can see, his family is right up here. That's Amin and his beautiful family right there. They live in Michigan, uh, and this is them, and uh, I think there's one more photo of him. He's going to be uh, cutting a ribbon for a property, and he is a very, very successful businessman in the Michigan area. And so we were talking, and he 
called me a couple of weeks ago with everything that's going on and said, man, I just wanted to talk to you and just, you know, be, get encouraged and just kind of shoot the breeze. And I asked this question. I was like, I mean, I got to ask you, with all that's going on in our culture right now and all that's being said about African-Americans' ability to come up and do the different things that they want to do and sometimes the, the uh, opposition that can be in the way. I said, how have you been this successful? Because it's like, man. And this is what he said to me. He said, Tony, when I found my purpose, nothing else mattered. He said, when I walk into these offices and into the boardrooms and when I go into my meetings, I have one focus in my head, the singleness of what God told me to do. And he was like, I'm not sitting there worried if somebody hates me, doesn't like me, doesn't want me to succeed. He said, because I'm doing God's business, God's going to work all of that out. And I was joking with him because I'm like, man, when you walk in a room, you don't care who's who. You just walk in, you talk to everybody, you, you laugh with everybody, you joke with everybody. And I was like, man, it is, it is beautiful to watch. And he's like, yeah. Because when I walk in a room, I'm walking in a room with God's purpose on me. And he said, it's his purpose that triumphs over everything else that may try and happen to keep me from being successful. And I want to encourage you today. When you find God's purpose for your life, nothing else matters. God's purpose is bigger than the box that you're in. And if you allow him... God's purpose will bust that box wide open and allow you to live the life that he's called you to live. To all my men out there right now, I just want to pray with you because right now we need kingdom men to stand up and take their place and help lead our country into a place of reconciliation and forward motion so we can see what God wants to see happen in this moment. Hope you enjoyed that message. If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, We'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon.